What's up, people? This is You're Not Listening, the podcast that teaches you how to actively listen to music one song at a time. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Sean's dad, Jim. And we have a super duper special guest on today. We've been having a lot of guests lately, which is kind of yep. cool. Because um, they're, they're much better than just us. <laughs> so backstory, we have brought up on this show multiple times the Hired Gun documentary, which I love. I've already watched it like three or four times. I think it's fantastic. I love the stories. I love the insight it gives you into the industry. I just think it's fascinating. And one person who had a big part in that was Liberty DeVito, who is joining us here today. <laughs> and it, it, uh, if you don't know, which I'm, I'm sure most of our listeners are aware of who, who you are, but uh, Lib, can you give us a little background of you and who you are? So are you our kidding? listeners know who they're talking to. <laughs> I don't even know who I am. Do you want to go get Anna? She can come in and, and tell us who you are. Yeah, she'll tell you who I am. That son of a... Uh, no, um, I am... Everything. I'm famous for being the drummer with Billy Joel for 30 years. So, um, yeah, that's who I am. I'm that, a dad, a granddad. I just turned into a grandfather. Congratulations, by the way. Well done. Thank, thank you. And, um, you know, I'm a drummer. That's What can I say? I actually say I'm, I'm not really a drummer. I just play one on stage. When I see these guys with all these chops and stuff like that, it's like, I can't do that. What are you kidding me? I'm not really a drummer. I just play one on stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say you're fairly successful. What is it? Uh, 150,000 records sold that you've been involved? Million, million. Uh, 150 million 150 records. Million. Yeah. 150 million. Yeah. yeah, let's get that correct. So. Yeah, that was yeah, a bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. 100, 150, 150 million don't go to the bank for me. Don't go to the bank for me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I do this is why I do audio and not, you know, finance. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but we, we wanted to reach out to you because we thought you had a pretty big impact on us when we watched that documentary. And, and I, I loved yeah. your story. I found it fascinating um, and seemed like a really approachable guy. So, you know, had dad reach out to you. And actually, it was your idea, really, dad. To yep. reach out and to the him. interesting thing was, you know, when I watched that documentary, Sean recommended that I watch that documentary. And, and you know, this is what we do. You know, hey, hey, dad, listen to this music. And hey, hey dad, what about this band? And watch this show and everything else. And and I'm watching it and I have more knowledge of the old. I know who Liberty, you know, well, he's on. OK, I know who Kenny Aronoff is, of course. I know I know who Crystal was, you know, and, and all that. And, and to Sean, it was like, that's a really cool story. That's that's really interesting guy. I'm thinking like, yeah, you don't know his backstory as much. And then when you, you know, when he found out, you know, the magnitude of that, um, it was just like, you know, and, and I, I see that you're very active on social media. So like, let's see yeah. if we can kind of get you on. So I really appreciate you being here. And I'm going to, first off, we're not going to let you off the hook. We're going to put the pressure on you and yeah. have you kind of work into our format and have some fun with it too. But um, what I wanted to say is it seems like, and I don't know if this is good or bad, but I know sometimes it's hard to kind of get away from, uh, you know, Billy Joel's drama, but you have such an interesting backstory and in how you got there. And even up till now, you know, stuff going on. And for the people who are, look, who are watching through the book that, that you, you know, recently put out a year ago, um, that I want this to be about you. I don't want this because it seems like a lot of the, the, some of the interviews seem like, Hey, Liberty, welcome. Tell me about Billy, you know, and we don't want to do that. You know, as much as, you know, I'll, you know, respect to, to Billy and everything else. I want this to be about you, you know, because it is such an interesting story that you have and okay. the way we want to talk about music. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, yeah. And I just finished uh, the audio book and it's out on audible and nice. uh, which was a labor of love. Let me tell you <laughs> something. If you ever write a book, 
Kaltur Yodiopos. I saw that Kenny Aronoff was doing one. Uh, he had a picture of himself doing his book, which came out, well, when Hired Gun uh, came out, uh, uh, Kenny's book came out. And he wrote me back. I said, hey, Kenny, I see you doing your audio book. I just did mine, too. He wrote me back and goes, Liberty, I can't believe what my company did to me. They made some other guy read it. What the hell, man? <laughs> if people don't think it's me, they're going to kill me. They want to hear me. They don't want to hear somebody else. So he's doing it all of himself. I said, good luck, man. It took me 55 hours to read my book. Really? Yeah. And, I'm, and an idiot. I'm an and idiot. You're- <laughs> but you're familiar with it. I mean, obviously it's your work and stuff and you still, it still took that long. Is that because of the production work and, and being interrupted a million times and, and all that? Or? Yeah. Yeah. You get tired and you could hear it in your voice when you're tired, you know, and they tell you, you know, mm-hmm. you've gone four hours. Stop now. Go home. You know, that kind of, it's like crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, there's professionals that do that. They read books. I, I do some voiceover work on the side and uh, I, I haven't moved into doing audiobooks yet. I've auditioned for a couple, but haven't gotten any. And I'm kind of like dreading the day that I do decide to try and record an audiobook because I feel like it's just going to be, like you said, a labor of love, more labor well, we, than love. <laughs> we researched it because I want $10,000 to read my book. It's like, what? what? I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it for nine. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right. yeah. It so probably wouldn't all... cost me that much since I would just do it in this little homemade sound booth behind me. <laughs> not enough, yeah. not a professional studio. So yeah, it's out on audible and it, it, it's really cool. I mean, we got Billy, he, Billy reads his uh, uh, beginning there to forward and my daughter, Tori, who's on TV, uh, TV star. And uh, she does the, um, the clinic and the business part of the book. She reads those two chapters. Which, and I want to talk about that later too. That stuff was classic at the end. That was such a good way to kind of wrap up the book. And I think that's some of the best stuff in it too. You know, the, yeah. especially the the the, uh, the DeVito School of Business. Hilarious. Yeah, you know, so well done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I wrote the book because there's so many TV shows like, you know, uh, uh, American Idol and all that kind of stuff where people actually think that you go on a show, you'd be judged by four people and all of a sudden you win a prize and, and you become a, a star. No, man, you got to pay your dues, you yeah. know? Yep. Also, a lot, of, a lot of people think uh, that, uh, you know, because Billy Joel's name was on the album cover, that he did everything. He arranged everything. He, you know, told me what to play and stuff like that. But, you know, I wanted to make it clear. No, no, it's a, it's a group effort. I mean, we, we acted like a band, you know? And you can tell him when, when Kenny talks about when he did uh, Jack and Diane, as he's walking towards the drum set. Like, oh, yeah, that's a great story. That's a great story. Kenny, you got 10 feet to decide what you're going to do you know, to save your career. To save your career, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dad, you, had, you actually had a question that you had that you wanted to ask about, similar to that, right? Talking about the different, the kind of like legendary drum fills or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because when you talk about it, you know, um, you know, and, and, and I don't know if you consider yourself in this, you know, the old, oh, I, I play one on stage and stuff. You know, there are people, a lot of us, you know, people yeah. in the general population who think of you in the same view and the same, you know, kind of, you know, vaulted image of these great drummers that, that have come through through the history of, of music. So, you know, when you see, and I had a hit list, so, so, and you had mentioned it, I think, um, a couple of nights ago when you were being interviewed on, uh, was it Jimmy Deal? Is that, was that the? Yeah. The Phil Collins Phil. You know, yeah. uh, the uh, in uh, in the air tonight. I gotta make sure I get these correct. Yeah, yeah. The um, one hundred fifty million. Yeah, the the you know the <laughs> the, the, the um obviously the, the Beatles work the the um in in the end the Who I won't get fooled again Neil Peart and Tom Sawyer stuff. 
what do you think is your signature kind of drum part that people say, oh, you know, that's not Kenny Aronoff. That's, that's not, you know, Charlie Watts. That's Liberty DeVito. Well, I, I have a style that was developed. Yeah, it came, yeah. It, you, know, yeah. It, you know what? You're a crazy aggressive style. Yeah. You, you are <laughs> working your tail off on that. Even with the new stuff, it's an amazing style, by the way. Sorry to interrupt you, but wow. Well, well you know, you know, because you read the book, when a guy from Detroit named Mitch Ryder walks up to you and says, would you like to do this for the rest of your life? And then says what he said to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it's guy. amazing. And, and, you know, Mitch always did his songs faster, you know, than, than they were on the record. Always faster, aggressive, aggressive. I played with a lot of aggressive players. Billy was an aggressive player himself. Yes. And, you know, he pounded that piano, you know, like uh, Little Richard and, and Jerry Lee Lewis did. But he wrote beautiful songs. Yeah. You know, they yeah. weren't just three chord songs. So, you know, I was hired because and he loved having me as a drummer because he always felt like he needed somebody else on that stage so he could like so people could take their eyes off of him for a minute just so he could blow his nose or something and have something else to look at. <laughs> right. I was hired. I was hired on the Stevie Nicks tour or the Wild Heart tour. Jimmy Iovine called me up and he goes, you know, they're going to need somebody else up there to to uh, take the focus off of Stevie all the time, you know, because she's going to get lazy. And, and, you know, so they want they hired me to play the drum because there's a focal part about it. Oh, you know what? And I see that because if you look at any of the videos, it, it's very clear that Billy plays to you. You know, yeah. th there's that that um, eye contact. Um, but your your riser is always lit as much as his his piano was. And as yeah. you know, as much as you know, you build it around the guitar, you build it around the sax, the sax, you build it around the bass. It was really clear that that was a, a you know, obviously piano, but that was a drum driven um, outfit when you guys were playing live on stage. And you had to be there every night working your tail off, but you, you weren't that guy that just was sitting there kind of casual. Like you got every, every step of the way, like you were into it, your head, your whole body. You must have been exhausted at the end of any show, any show. I, I did sleep well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did sleep well. Yeah, you know, it's funny, but the, the style came because I found out early on uh, the way I be began to play, like I say in the book, is, uh, you know, I, I didn't take lessons, never took any lessons. And no one would teach me how to play like Ringo. When the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show, that's when I really decided that I wanted to play. And so I had to learn myself and I would practice to those records you know, the Beatle records and stuff like that. But I would get lost in the song because I don't know where I am. I'm not reading music. So I learned the lyrics to the song. I always learned the lyrics to the song. Ever since I listened to music, I loved lyrics. I, I love what they're talking about because it's a story. You know, it's a heartfelt story that the singer is singing. And, and uh, so I would sing along with the song and I'm playing the drums and I'm realizing, hey, you know, the drummer does his drum fill when the singer stops singing. Well, the drummer does a drum fill with, to take the band into a more exciting place like the chorus or the bridge, something like that. You know, so that, that has become my, my thing. I, I developed those. And because I couldn't read music, I had to listen. And a lot of guys that um, they read what somebody has written, but they don't listen to what the guy has played. And there's oh, so okay. much feel in that to listen to what the guys played sometimes like i would get the, the groove to uh uh rosanna and that, you know the the uh, who does it toto toto, toto. Right? that feel that he plays <laughs> or, or fool in the rain by uh, by led zeppelin that's the purdy shuffle bernard purdy came up with that and so they all copied him i tried to play the purdy shuffle 
totally wrong. But what I play is something that nobody else is playing. When I do it in a drum clinic and I say, I can't do the Purdy Shuffle, but this is what I came up with trying to learn the Purdy Shuffle. And it's unique enough. It's your signature. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I think that's a really important lesson for anyone, especially young people that are trying to learn music. You can take the route of going and getting classically trained in your instrument or whatever you want to do. But I mean, if you listen to some of the biggest bands in the world, some of the, the biggest singers in the world, biggest musicians in the world, they aren't playing perfect. They, you know, look at, look at some of the vocalists that are, that are on some of the largest records ever sold. If you were to isolate those vocals, they probably wouldn't sound very good from a technical point of view, but that's not what it's about. It's about the feel and it's about the emotion and it's about what they put into it. And if they put into it, what they're intending to, you're going to be receptive to that and you're going to like it. And it's the same thing. Like you don't need to be classically trained in drums to be a kick-ass drummer. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I think that's really important for people who might be getting discouraged that, you know, I'm having trouble learning how to read sheet music or something like that. That's really, it's, it's really nice to hear. You know, you, you take a, a guy like, um, uh, you listen to ACDC, right? And, Perfect you know, example. They, yeah. They, they made a living off three chords. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how many albums they had with those same three chords, but you take Phil Rudd and he is playing what is so simple, so simple. I tell young drummers, I said, listen to that and then think about why do I love what he plays? Why does it make me feel so good? Because that's the key right there. It's not Mm -hmm. what he's playing. It's how he's playing it. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of young drummers, a lot of musicians, they miss that part. You know, like I'll go see guys and and somebody say, well, well, that guy plays as good as, as or, or the new guy that plays with Billy that's been playing for the last 15 years with Billy. So many people compare him. You know, he's not you. He's really a good drummer, but he's not like you. Of course, he's not like me. I made the stuff up <laughs> and I play. It's the way I play. He's not going to play the way I play. You know, yeah. he didn't grow up the same way I grew up. You know, it, it has all to do with that. You know, nobody sings a- like Elvis because he, he grew up in the hills, Elvis. He listened to all different kinds of music. The Beatles grew up in Liverpool, you know. But it's also important to, to note that you have to be with bands that give you that freedom. Mm. to be able to kind of do your own thing and, and not just say this is or a producer who says, this is the way I want it. This is the way I want it to be written. This is the way it's been written. You have to play this like, okay, then why are you getting me versus, right. Hey, live like add your, your, your style into it and everything else. And it sounds like, you know, especially for the 30 years, you know, you were with Mr. Joel there that he just right. did the old, I trust your judgment go, or even help me write this and help me kind of get this groove going. Because I think again, one of the statements in the book was, you know, the, the band's not only as good as their drama. You know, because it's, you know, when you like songs and when you get into them, it, it's about a feel, it's about a beat. I mean, right. you're not going to go off and play in your own as a solo act. I mean, you might be good. People might show up and stuff, but you have to have the band. But the band without the drama is nothing, you know, right. and they, they will have to make sure you have somebody who's going to drive that. And that's what key. And for them to give you the permission to say, you put your own on take on things is, is pretty strong, too. Well, you know, it's funny that you said that because one, one of the songs that I was thinking about uh, to, to do on the show but, but I passed over it, was My Sharona. You know, people hear the song, but first of all, they don't know it's, it's the disgusting. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> first of all, it goes right over the head like YMCA. It goes right <laughs> over people's heads and stuff like that. My mother-in-law, who's a devout Catholic, used to dance to YMCA, you know, and she had no idea what it was about. No. You know, so, my, my three-year-old but, sings that song because my 
two-year-old is named Fiona and she sings my Fiona. Yeah. Oh. And she, she walks around going, do, 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 my Fiona. And we're just like, oh, yeah, those are the words. Yep. Yeah, yeah, those that, are the right that, words. Yep. Let's stick with those. <laughs> but, but that song, the drums are so driving in that song. The way that guy plays, I don't know. I, I hope that was the only take he had to do because I would have been worn out after that. <laughs> he is pounding and driving that song home. You know, I mean, it's really simple. It's like, but it's like, on the top. You got to get your whole body into it. Oh, God. It's but ridiculous. But fun. But, you know, yeah, it's fun. And and that that's what we're talking about, the feel. You feel that emotion. Like the first thing I, the first song I ever heard by the Beatles was I saw her standing there. And after hearing all the stuff that was on the top uh, top ten, 20 that day or the top 10, which was like Pat Boone and, you know, uh, Elvis was kind of wearing out and all those other stuff. And then all of a sudden here, I saw her standing there. It was like, oh, my God, who are these guys? You know, it's it's that emotion. You know, that song we played. I played in a band in high school and we we covered that song. I played bass and it was hard for me because I also wasn't like, you know, taught how to play bass or guitar and so i didn't right. know the scales it's it's a scale it's just do 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 and but that was really hard for me <laughs> and um it was so much fun though like that yeah. that that's some beat because like you said it's just such a fun groove and such a fun feel and i probably screwed it up so badly and i would never want to hear a recording of myself <laughs> playing that back in high school but yeah it, that, that was fun that's a fun song it was uh when it first came out, it, it was too fast for me. I couldn't play it. I couldn't play it. It was too fast. It's fast. Really? It is fast. It's it's yeah. hard. It's a hard song to play. It really yeah, is. It, it's a great one though. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's just so great. You see, as um, a non-musician, I, I'm I'm not understanding why it's hard to play. I mean, Sean was a bass player, and you're a drummer, so obviously you guys obviously work together and you know in a groove and all that kind of stuff in the pocket. But I'm thinking, like, is it fast? Is it that? Is it real difficult? But is it that intricate? Is that what it is? Oh, no, uh, no, it's not. It, his bass line is, is I, I heard bass players talk about his bass line. Even though it's just like, it's constantly going back to a note. And, it's, it's constantly following the chord progression too. So do, 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 like there's no breaks. There's no longer notes that you literally do that from the first beat until the end. Right. And that's what makes forget, it hard is the endurance. And let's not forget he's singing it at the same time. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. People forget how, what great musicians the Beatles were. It wasn't just the hype. They were great musicians as well. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. so good. So yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that we could talk about, but yeah, we're here we got to, all night. We got we're all also night. we're also here to talk about music. Anna will knock on the door and say, "Lib, I want to go to bed." <laughs> so, so why why don't we take take this time and we'll we'll look at one of your songs and then maybe we can chat a little bit more. So, okay. Lib brought two songs to us tonight instead of one, us choosing one of the songs. Uh, you know, can you tell the story about how you had to stop your car? I, I want to get that on record. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well. I, one of the songs that I brought tonight isn't one of the ones that I stopped the car because I didn't drive when the song came out. But, <laughs> but the, I, I have a top five tune set that I had to pull over the car when they came on the radio. Uh, one of them 
is, uh, which I was going to bring, you know, of course, if you think of all the top five songs and you want to bring them all, but yeah. you're like, ah, was <laughs> hey, you I can thought, come back as much as you want. Don't worry about it. So. Yeah. Right. You can be a regular co-host <laughs> if you really want. I was driving home for a gig. I was playing a top 40 gig with a, with a local band. And uh, this is after Eric Clapton had out, I shot the sheriff. And somebody told me, they said, ah, Clapton, it stinks. you got to hear the original. And I was driving home one night about four in the morning and I put on the, the, the black radio station on Long Island was uh, BLS and I, and I put it on and um, I shot the sheriff by Bob Molly and the Wellers came on. Nice. I had to pull the car over. I could not believe the feel of the song, how intense it was. It was so believable now. When mm-hmm. Clapton sings, it's like, oh, I'm the sheriff, you know, like wimpy, 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 <laughs> you know, when Barb Molly sings it, you are convinced that he shot, you know, he shot the sheriff and he didn't shoot the deputy. Yeah, no, you can arrest no. me for shooting the sheriff, but <laughs> I didn't shoot, shoot the deputy, you know, <laughs> the baseline in it is so unbelievably mm. reggae unique. Yep. And it carries through the whole song. And then the, the guitars, they, 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 there's two guitars playing in the beginning, and then one guitar picks up the wah-wah uh, into the second verse. And once he picks up that wah-wah, he doesn't let go of that wah-wah. And then the second guitar, which, which I think is, is Bob Marley, because he's playing the chucks, ticky, yep. ticky, yep. and then the piano starts to double him. And then there's the organ just bringing everything together in the background. It is so good and you're hearing this on a little car radio speaker as well right right and it had that kind of impact on you back then so yeah that's another thing that people don't might not really get how hard that is to play like that that reggae rhythm with those really really tight short rhythm notes is so hard to get right yeah i mean so hard to get right yeah you know the song goes i shot the sheriff but the the bass is going uh yeah, reggae, reggae bass is uh, the silence is just as important as the oh, notes. Silence is so important. Yeah, so important. I learned that uh, from from playing reggae. You know, yep. that uh, you know, so you can make more noise by leaving something out than you can by playing something in the hole. You yep. know, wow. that's quite. Yeah. A yeah, it's it's just as important. It's just as important. Wow. And I learned yeah. that the hard way because when I played in a band, I played in a band in Boston for years, and um, I. I didn't understand that the way that I do now. And my parts were just too complicated, too much, too much going on. And, and I'm not really, not really a fan of those parts that I used to play. I think if I was to go back and do that again, now I would insert a lot more intentional silence into my parts to give it more impact and stuff. I think that's, that's something that people miss and don't really appreciate as much. So. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so what, what song did you bring to us tonight? Uh, Tickets to ride because mm. now it's speaking as a drummer when I do drum clinics and stuff like that, everybody says, you know, uh, Ringo is very unique. Uh, you, you know, uh, everybody says that, Oh, Ringo, Ringo paved the road for you guys to, to be musicians and, and to play the way you guys do, you know, when you saw them on the Ed Sullivan show. And I always say that, no, no, Ringo did not pave the road for us. Ringo took a tractor, went into the forest, knocked down the trees, <laughs> dug up the dirt, then poured a little bit of cement, then put the tar on top, then do the white lines. Then he paved the road for us. So he did all that, you know, that's how much he did for, for the, the modern rock drummer. Wow. You know, 
So take it to ride. Everybody, uh, and I even saw Ringo do an interview with this too. Everybody says that, that Ringo plays that. Um, bah, bah, boom, bah, bah, yep, yep. that that's his drum part. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. Right after the bridge, uh, at at uh, one minute and twenty eight seconds, I wrote that down. Because <laughs> uh, I watched, I watched one of your. Uh, when oh. we we're talking about the Brooklyn Bridge, and you said, uh, "Oh, wonder." Yeah, yeah. We, we were bringing uh, Brooklyn all the way to you. There you go. So. Yeah, there you by the way, I, I do love that song. Johnny Maestro had a great. Voice. Oh, it's a great song. Well, I yeah. appreciate you listening. Yeah, Thanks. goosebumps. Thank you. Yeah, and um, so at a minute and twenty-eight seconds, he changes the beat. Now I think that this song is is what you're hearing on the record is close to the first time Ringo actually knows how the song goes and <laughs> kind of fluffs up the original pattern, but it's so good that they, they left it. Well, let's, let's listen to it. Really? Um, okay. Okay. So, so mate, so made a mistake, but it was just unique enough that it had to stay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because it really feels good. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the tambourine. So he wasn't, he, that wasn't like a tambourine on his kit. That must've been no. someone else playing because oh, I was, no. yeah. Okay. Cause I was listening as you were kind of showing us, you know, the beat that he was doing and I'm like, that tambourine is not within, I mean, it's, it's in the rhythm, but it's not within the beat that you were kind no, of demonstrating it, to us. It was like, keeping, it's keeping the straight beat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because well, it would be thought, off that it, you know, you'd he'd hit the snare and then you'd hear the the tambourine afterwards. So it was like, right. so I, I I was like, how do, how would you do that? How many arms do you need? You know, that's what I, I'm like. So that didn't make sense to me. So I just um, read uh, I just read both George Martin books. You know, he, he talks about the Beatles in the studio and and how they worked. And um, you know, it's, it's pretty brilliant. You know, he talks about the overdubs that Ringo put the tambourine overdub on that, or Paul may have done the tambourine overdub. You know, that was cool. Yeah, that's it's very cool. And anyone who listens to this show knows how much I love a stop <laughs> when there's a stop in music and they and they sing over that stop. It gets me every single time. And the one at the end of this song gets me too. my yeah, baby don't care. And it's funny. I never heard that before, but it was really clear after you pointed it out about that uh, that little glitch, you know, that, that he does. Interesting. Yeah, it, yeah? It, it changes. It changes the song, you know, and I don't I don't. It doesn't, it sounds like to me, being a drummer that has recorded 150 tunes with Billy Joel, that it was a, a, fl a fluke, you know, it wasn't planned. He, he was, because I saw a live uh, video of them playing in Germany or someplace like that, or Switzerland, and when that song just came out, and he played that first thing all the way through the song. So you think maybe he was recording and he forgot what he, he forgot did the first time? And he just, went, he, he just went with what felt right? Maybe, well, yeah, that's wow. what I thought. That's what I think. Has that and ever happened to you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I mean, I, well, the next song that I wanted to play was, it's called Room of Our Own. It's on the Nylon Curtain album. And uh, I make a mistake in it uh, after the uh, solo. And uh, I kind of turn the beat around because I thought we were going to another part of the song. You know, the whole song, it starts um, with, with uh, you hear a drum beat, like a drum, boom. And then you hear Billy count it off one, two, because we were trying for the longest time just to get the right feel. And I was just playing boom, cha, boom, cha, boom, cha, for the longest time. And I was like, okay, here we go. And then you hear him count it off. 
you know. So in the middle of the song, I, I kind of thought we were going to a, the bridge of the song again, but we didn't. And I had to fish my way around to get out of it. And when we came back in, I, I told Billy, I said, we got to do it again, man. I made a mistake. And he heard it and he went, oh, my God, that's the best mistake you've ever made. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, so. Well, but let's wait on that one. I want to talk a little okay. bit more uh, about Ticket to Ride. What, what else is it that stands out to you? I mean, when you listen to songs like this, are you just so zoned in on the drums that no. um, sometimes it, you, you can miss other other parts? No, no, no. I, I listen to, I hear everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, John's performance on the vocal is, uh, is just amazing. You know, yeah. it, when John and Paul sing together, uh, they, they sound like one voice, you, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was such a, a, a complete band, a little orchestra, the four of them together, you know, uh, two guitars, a bass and, and, and drums, but their vocals were, were so tight. You know, I don't know if it's because they came from Liverpool, all four of them, and they, they all grew up the same way. And, you know, they're just amazing musicians. You know, you know the stories. Everybody knows the stories about them getting out of a bus and driving across town just to learn like a G flat chord or something like that. You know, <laughs> and, and this is only like a couple of years later that they're doing stuff like this. So yeah. Paul's writing Michelle and, you know. So but when you when you first got, you know, got, you know, hit in the face with the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show and all that, you weren't obviously picking up on that, you know, but no. did, did you grow to, to, okay, I love the Beatles. I love what they're doing. I want to be them. I have to grow my hair. You know, we have to do this. Everybody wants to be in a band now, you know, fast forward. Then did you start to realize these guys are, are amazing musicians as well as the, the cultural piece that that, that kind that of came part really came from trying to play along with the songs, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, if you play to um, uh, I Should Have Known Better, it's Ringo playing just straight through, just one thing straight through. You know, I always tell kids that are just beginning, try to play that song first. I Should Have Known Better, you know. And uh, But uh, to be honest with you, it was seeing all these girls screaming for these, <laughs> these four not that good looking guys <laughs> and then seeing my sister and her girlfriend screaming at a black and white TV at these four not that good looking guys and I thought I want to do that I know what I want <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean <laughs> yeah, that, that, could, uh, that could work for me I, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 I didn't do sports in school all the, all the girls like the guys that played sports yeah yeah. I couldn't play sports <laughs> forget about it <laughs> you know so they were the my saviors, yeah. you know, before, but, but, but it turned, but it turned into the rascals at the young rascals after them, though, right? Oh, they blew, like, the rascals blew me away. Cause I couldn't, <laughs> you know, after a while you can't relate to, to straight hair and English accents and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff and coming from, where was hell was Liverpool? I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, with rascals, you know, one Felix came from Connecticut. Another one came from Jersey. Another one lived in New York. You know, and they had three of them out of four of them had Italian last names, you know, <laughs> and they were now they were a band that drove when you heard their records, you could feel the passion on the records. But when you saw them live, it was a totally different scene. They, really? they, because they, they came out of clubs, you know, playing in, in the mm -hmm. barge out in Long Island and, and places like that. And um, a couple of them, Felix went to Europe with Joey Dean and Starlighters, you know, the Petman Twist, all that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you somewhere would know the Petman Twist. But, Petman uh, Twist, yeah. yeah. 
He would know that. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, I've damaged him for all these years <laughs> with all my music stuff. So, well, that's a good thing. See, I got my. Four, I have a four-year-old daughter, and uh, believe it or not, oh, you saw Anna; she's young. Hope she didn't. But uh, she loves the Beatles. Loves the Beatles. Like she knows everything about the Beatles. Wow. You know, I'll say, uh, I'll say, May. How did the Beatles say uh, raspberry? Raspberry. You know, like, <laughs> stuff like, you know, so start to talk like that. But I recently uh, played her. Surfing USA by the Beach Boys, and oh, she yeah. went nuts. She went nuts, <laughs> like a like a young teenager goes nuts. Yeah. Hey, raising That's them funny. right. Well done. Well yeah. done. Yeah. 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 My my three year old went through a, a phase. Sadly, she's not really. And now it's dominated by Disney music, but. She went no. through a phase where she was really big into Tom Petty, and it just made me so happy. <laughs> yeah, well, I love Tom Petty. I saw him out in a good base, you know. Yeah, and jeez, uh, my she'll mom come back loved, to it. She'll come back to it. Yeah, my mom loved Sinatra and 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 uh, Glenn Miller and all all that kind of stuff, you know. So mm -hmm. I would hear it all the time. But the way I learned passion was my mom used to make sauce in the morning on Sunday. You know, uh, we cook like all day, and you'd have your meal in the middle of the day. And she would always put on the Italian hour. And I didn't understand what they were saying, but you could hear the passion in the way they were singing it. You know, it's all about how you put it across. Yep. You, sure. you know, I believe, I always say this, I probably got my second divorce because I annoyed my ex-wife so much about like what was good and what was bad about music. Oh you God, know? I'm in trouble. And I, and I would, I would, <laughs> so I explained, I explained to um, when I do a clinic, I explained to, to people, I say, you know, it's like when I listen to music, it's like when I when I get a slice of pizza, let's say, and I think about the crust is perfect. And then I look at the sauce and I go, it's so red and delicious. And then the cheese is melted in the perfect way. You know, that and, and they, the, the basil that they used on it and everything like that. That's the way I look at a song. Other people look at a song and they can just pick it up and they go, well, and they just eat it like that. Yep. That's you the know? entire premise for this show. So that that's <laughs> yeah. perfect. And it's also the first time that I've ever heard anybody compare a song to a slice of pizza. So <laughs> now we're going to well, look at a slice great. of pizza again the same way. It's, yeah. it's both great. It's both great. <laughs> you know, like you're going to tell your son, hey, after the show, let's go get a song. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Next time I get a slice of pizza, I'm going to be like, this is very much stairway to heaven, but. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So that's, really that's, the way, that's the way I look at music. All right. Real quick story. Since you mentioned the Beatles and ticket to ride and everything else. Um, and Sean doesn't know this one. I, I teased him a little with it, but it came right out of the book. Um, the McCartney story, which I think is hilarious of, of you busting him. Um, and the, the, the George Martin uh, statement that Billy made about oh, yeah. the band, yeah. love yeah. my, love my, you love me, love my band. Yeah. And yeah. then sent him away. Can you tell a little bit about that epic story, yeah. Sean? Well, we, when uh, we were, we were on the turnstiles tour. That was the first album we've been with Billy uh, as that band topper. When we first got with Billy, we did the turnstiles yeah. album. So we're on the turnstiles tour and Billy's looking for a new producer because Billy had produced turnstiles. So, um, Columbia is like telling them you got to get a producer this time. So George Martin is interested. You know, he comes to see us play. I, I forgot where it was. Carnegie Hall. 
Well, <laughs> Phil Ramone came to Carnegie Hall. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Wow, creepy. Telling you about your life here, sorry. <laughs> Jeez, that was creepy, right? Wasn't that yeah, that's a, that's a little. It's a little much. Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna leave now. See you later. <laughs> so no, he comes to see us play, and we're all excited. Wow, George Martin's coming, the producer of the Beatles. Oh my God, I can't believe this. Maybe we'll go to Abbey Road and record all this, the new album and everything like that. So we play the show. Billy goes and meets with him. Billy comes back after meeting with him. And, and uh, we said, we were like all excited, like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing. Yeah, so what did he say? And Billy says, he wants to produce me. And we're like, oh, this is, this is fantastic. And then Billy says, but he wants to use studio musicians. We were all like, you know what? <laughs> Forget about him. Yeah, what did he do <laughs> since the Beatles? Nothing. He he ruined Jeff Beck. <laughs> He's been riding that train forever, man. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So Billy actually told him uh, when he said, uh, one of your studio musicians, Billy said, love me, love my band, and turned him down. You know, so, I mean, to turn down George Martin, that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. That's that's when we really got the feeling that, that we were really a band. You know, Billy was just a piano player and singer that wrote the songs in the band, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but it was, uh, you know, it was uh, lawyers and accountants and everything that made that change, you yeah. know. And what about the Paul McCartney story? <laughs> I got to play with Paul. We did uh, two songs together in the studio and Phil Ramon was producing it. I get the call <laughs> and uh, the, the, <laughs> Phil's assistant says, OK, uh, Phil wants you out a session on this and this date. I said, oh, man, I can't go. I got to go to a, a wedding party, dinner or something like that. I'm in Brian Ruggles' weddings party. He goes, cancel it. You got to come. I said, I can't. I can't. I'm not going to turn up. Who was it with? I can't tell you. <laughs> can't tell me who it was with. So uh, I'll keep going at it. Like, I can't go. What am I supposed to do? You guys, and, and Joe D'Ambrosio is the one on the other end of the phone saying, you've got to cancel it. You got, you got to tell me who it is. I can't just cancel on Brian. Uh, and finally, he says, it's Paul McCartney. I was like, I'll call you back in two minutes. <laughs> so I go and ask my mother because I always went to my mom, you know, when I had trouble with girlfriends or whatever it was. I went to my mom to ask her for her advice. So I said, Mom, I got this, this thing going on. I, I got Brian Ruggles' wedding party, uh, dinner, and... Um, uh, Phil Ramon wants me for a session. And my mom's like, oh, no, you have to go to Brian's thing. You can't go to the session. You promised you would do it. He's your friend, you know. Then my mother says, who's it with this, the <laughs> session? So I said, Paul McCartney. My mother says, Frank Brian Ruggles. It's <laughs> 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 the Italian word to say, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So it was great, though. I mean, I, I, I'm on, on my way there. Phil wanted us there early. And I, and I thought to myself, what does Paul McCartney want with me? He doesn't know who I am or anything like that. Well, Linda walks in the door first and points at me and says, hey, we, I know who you are. We've been watching all your videos. I'm like, what? Wow. Paul McCartney's been watching videos? And, and it was that like. That makes you feel good. Well, when he came in the room, it was like God walked in the room. The Red Sea parted. It was like <laughs> unbelievable that this man that I listened to in my headphones while learning how to play drums and just admired this band is now standing in the same room I'm standing in. You know, I had to back out of the control room and be step, put myself in a, the hall 
and had the devil on one side and the angel on the other side, the angels, you know, the angels going, oh, he's just another musician like you are. And the devil's going, no, he's not. That's Paul McCartney. <laughs> and it's like, oh, come on. But he just plays, plays piano and bass and sings. And, you know, he wrote a few songs. He's a Beatle, you idiot. He's a Beatle. You know? <laughs> and I had to really compose myself and bring myself down and, uh, you know, go in. Remind yourself that you're a musician, too. That's right. You're, you do the same thing he does, right? It's hard. I do the same thing he does. He just does well, a little bit better. <laughs> but but it, well, you know, I, bet you, I bet you can play drums better than he can. Well, that's it. And I want to tell well, that's part well, of the story, too. Well, that's a funny part of the story as well. He, uh, he actually showed <laughs> us how he could play drums. When we took the break to eat lunch, This is you know, we, ordered, we ordered pizza. And uh, uh, we talked about children and stuff like that. It was great. You know, I had him sign this uh, Rolling Stone magazine. He was on the cover of Rolling Stone. He signed it to my daughter, Tori, who was a newborn then. And um, so we go back in. And he goes to the drums. He sits behind the drums. He starts playing. The Your other drums. musician, yeah, my drums, my yeah. drums, yes. And he, the other musicians come in, and uh, they start playing along with him. And he keeps looking over at me like, "I'm cool, right? This is cool, right? I can do this." You see? And so he's gone by about fifteen minutes. Finally, he stops playing and he gets off the drum set and he's walking towards me. And there's an acoustic guitar leaning on the on the wall next to me. And I pick up the acoustic guitar and I look at him and go, oh, yeah? And I played Blackbird. <laughs> and he stopped and he went, oh, my God, you can play that? <laughs> <laughs> that's when he was just another musician. He wasn't Paul McCartney anymore. That's awesome. Great story. Just another guy. Just another guy. <laughs> that's great. Awesome. So well, let's, uh, let's get into this other song that you wanted to do. So you wanted to do A Room of Our Own. Yep. You want to give us a little intro before we listen to it? Yeah, uh, let's see. I actually wrote about it in my book, uh, A Room of Our Own. We started the, rec uh, the recording of the song. We played the opening lick over and over again to try to get the right tempo. This was all cut out, and all that remains is the shot on the snare drum before Billy starts to count. Uh, we had just learned the song and barely knew it. In the song, Billy yells bridge uh, to let us know that the bridge is coming. The drum part in the last chorus uh, after the solo is a mistake. I actually got lost, but, but I think I recovered pretty well, you know? So yeah, it's a mistake. I thought I was going to the bridge again. That's amazing. You know? Well, let's listen to it. Uh, we didn't say this with the first song, but listeners, uh, you can go to the official, you're not listening podcast playlist on Spotify to listen to the song or click the link in the show notes and you can listen to it on YouTube. Uh, it's a room of our own by Billy Joel and his band. <laughs> And that's when Billy said, it's the best mistake he's ever heard. We're going to keep it. He <laughs> loved it. Yeah. He says, you got to be kidding me. That's great. So besides you and you know, then Billy making that statement, yeah. has anyone ever noticed and said that? Or did they give, did they give you props for it saying, that yeah. was the greatest feel ever? Yeah. You should have yeah. just said it was completely yeah. intentional, but now all of our <laughs> listeners are, you know, now we know. I've, I've made mistakes on other uh, records too. You know, uh, there's a mistake. And until the night, I, I shouldn't have started playing what I, started to play in one spot but it sounds great you know i didn't when i did it i went oh i should not started now you know yeah but not a works. mistake just unintentional uptown girls another one there's a, a thing that i go in, in one part and i said to billy we got to do it over again and he listened <laughs> to it he was like no we're not doing it over again all right 
I'm right, wondering. So. I'm wondering if that if the that very beginning fill that you do at the very beginning of Uptown Girl is is kind of one of those like those fills that like you would be known for. You know, well, like somebody, somebody said, <laughs> you, you know, well, the drum fills have names. You know, like the one that goes. That's called Pat Boone, Debbie Boone. Pat Boone, Debbie Boone. Or Bucket of Beans, Bucket of Beans, Bucket of Beans, Bucket of Beans. You know, Dufftown Girl goes, Liberty DeVito. So I guess I was right. I guess that's the signature one. But I mean, yeah, when I saw the dead, I saw when you sent me that list, uh, you know, the notes and stuff. And uh, you had that question. I was like, the first one that came to my mind is that and, and right in the beginning of there, I'm like, that's the first one that, that came to my mind. Whoa. That's pretty funny. Yeah. See, people that's are noticing great. libs. People are noticing. Um, that's pretty funny. Uh, I, can I just, um, some amazing bass in that song. Oh yeah. Doug Stegman. Just real good. Yeah. Real good bass. He, he, know, he knows when to do those, those bass fills. And I don't and, know if you've ever played bass with a piano player, but it's very difficult because mm-hmm. their left hand is all over the place. Yeah. So, so he had to really pick and choose where to put his bass parts. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's, it, but Doug was great. Doug was great. I, me and Doug had played for years before we got with Billy. Right. Yeah. And other bands too, or yeah. just Topper? Oh, we played weddings together. Right. We right. did a lot of stuff. Yeah, that was, that, was rough, that yeah. was a rough loss. Um, well, yeah, that's... One thing that we that we learned that we've talked about, we me, me and Daddy used to talk about it with sports all the time, and then we talked about it with music too. Is you can't really teach chemistry, and you can't force no. chemistry. If you have it, you have it, you know. Yeah, and it's yeah. really, yeah. really yeah. feels really good when you do. Well, that's that's why when uh, when Rob Zombie talks about that in uh, in Hired Gun, when he talks about when one guy leaves and to replace that person, you know, there's a thousand guys that can play his part. You know, and then then there's uh, who's, who looks good on stage. You know, that right. breaks it down to a hundred guys, and then you know, and, and then he finally gets to like, you know, who can you hang with on the bus? It kind of brings it down yeah. to maybe two yeah. guys out of a thousand now. So you know, yeah, that's why John Five was with all of those types of acts. But, but <laughs> yeah. in that, like in that yeah. documentary, do you consider yourself a hired gun? Because I mean, when you think about it, I mean, you had a pretty long-standing thirty-year you know, pretty upstanding career versus some of these guys that you, you right. consider, you know, high guns are, you know, off to the side of the stage, do their thing, you know, and then hopefully we'll get the call on the next tour, you know, and that was, did, did, would you consider yeah. yourself now a hired gun or back then, or have you just always thought of yourself that way? No, I never thought of myself oh, okay, as a hired good. gun. I was Billy's, you were Billy's I was guy. drummer yeah. in a yes. band called Billy yep. Joel. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, even when you're getting calls to do like studio work, right. like, I guess that's a different, diff- that's a different type of hired gun than what, what, what they're really focusing on in that documentary. If you get called to do studio work for right. other people, then you're hired, you're hired to do that, but not necessarily go on tour for gotcha. other, right. okay. like for other people. Mike, so. Mark Schulman who plays with Pink, he's still got the gig. You know, I mean, I wouldn't think he's a hired gun for Pink, he, but he is hired. Cause I don't know if he plays on the records, you know, so he just oh, listened okay. to that's, Yeah, that's yeah, true. Right, right. Uh, you know, but I played on Billy's records. We did have an episode we, we had an episode where we talked about a pink song and it is, I think it's still our second yep. most downloaded episode besides the first one, which people, you know, listen to see if they like the show and then don't ever <laughs> right. listen anymore. But um, that is, that is one, one of our best shows is the pink. Cause she's, there's so much to talk about with her because she's so powerful. You know, the first time I met her was before she made it big. And I, I was at a rehearsal studio in, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. 
And uh, she had a little dog with her. She was nobody. And she had these big pink slippers on. And she was talking about what she was going to do, like dye her hair pink and do all this stuff and everything like that. We were like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boom. And then yeah. you heard her yeah. sing and you were like, yeah. okay. Boom. Yep. Okay. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. By the way, you have any connections with Rob Zombie from that? Because we'd love to have him on the show too. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> awesome. So, I, I I really glad we kind of talked about the stuff with that song beforehand. It, that was kind of nice because I was looking for it and yeah, I was able to, to pick up on some of that stuff. But you know, we're not going to be able to in in the recorded episode. We're not going to be able to to play what we just heard and experienced while we were talking there. So I wanted to point out some of the parts that that stood out to me. Uh, and obviously I was kind of focused in a little bit more on the, the drum track because I was following you and what you were, <laughs> what you were highlighting um, the, those breaks with the fast hi-hat yeah. that are That's kind of isolated. Very cool. I didn't know this song. Um, I hadn't heard this before and uh, I was not expecting that. That was really, really kind of impactful. I think if I had been listening to the song outside of in a different context, I think I, that, that still would have stood out to me. That, yeah. That's it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's funny to hear that song now uh, because uh, uh, Billy was managed by his wife, Elizabeth. And that song is on Nylon Curtain. And that's like right when they were breaking up. So it's like, you know, he always wrote about how life really is his life. That's why he actually stopped writing songs because he was tired of telling everybody what wow. his life was like. And that <laughs> song is like Room of Our Own. She was the manager and he was the artist and she had cash. He had checks. He had this, you know, he had that. It was just becoming opposites now, you know? Hmm. So makes it real. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, interesting. It's funny. Cause you didn't know that song. I did yeah. know that song. That's, I've heard that song. Yeah, Cause you know, obviously uh, in, it's in the, the collection, you know, with the vinyl and, and, and the CDs and everything else, but I never, I never noticed that hi hat. I mean, that, that was really intricate that I don't know if I've ever heard that. Is that something that, that is pretty unique that you have used before or other people have used? But, but that was. Well, my my thought was she's a woman, you know, uh, she's a woman. Uh, John just plays that uh, rhythm like. And, you, and it's a maraca that Ringo's playing. Uh, yep. I love it. OK, so you're going for more of the Latin feel you know, almost. And, it's kind of like uh, it's got a reggae thing because it's yep. on the, you know, boom, doom, 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 you know. Yeah. Interesting. So. Hmm. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, good drummers borrow, but great drummers steal. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a rim shot there. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's. Uh, so what. um you know, the questions that we always ask, and we can do both songs at once here. We always ask the same questions to each other whenever we go, go through a song. What's your favorite part or favorite thing about that song? What, what do you love about it I just, most? I just, well, I love the rhythm of it. Um, I, I, I love the idea of the song, you know, uh, that, that you are opposite. When you think about it, you know, uh, some, somebody once told me, you don't marry somebody because uh, uh, you both like the same thing. You'll get along much better if you both hate the same things, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like makes oh, sense, look, yeah. at that, look at that guy over there. I hate his hair. Oh, yeah. So do I, I hate it. You know, <laughs> it, it, you know, so that that song is like pulling apart this relationship because now one person wants one thing and one person wants the other thing. And it's just like 
you know, you know, we just need a room for our own. We just need to separate a little bit, you know, and, and get away from each other. So yeah. I kind of like that. And like you said, the bass, love the bass. Oh, you know. So good. Yeah, I love the bass. And during Nylon Curtain, uh, they had sold A&R, the building that A&R Studios was in. And that was like one of the last songs that we did in A&R Studios because uh, Half Hill Nylon Curtain was, was recorded somewhere else. You know? um, what about Ticket to Ride? What's your favorite thing about that song? The Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Just listen to it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Ticket to Ride. It's the freaking Beatles. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I always say that when people say, ah, oh, Charlie Watts, man, he stinks. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, I, I did this in Rolling Stone, uh, not Rolling Stone, uh, Modern Drama Magazine. They were like, everybody say something about uh, Charlie Watts. People were like, oh, he's this, that, and the other thing, and his technique is this, that. I said, he's, he's in the Rolling Stones. That's enough. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's doing something you know, everybody, right. Everybody compares You're these drummers. You're just jealous. You're just <laughs> jealous. Everybody compares these drummers. And uh, it, it's insane. I always talk about this thing. I always say, like, you know, there is no one greatest drummer. There is none. Because – I, I said, like, you take two drummers, like you take um, uh, Buddy Rich, who everybody thinks was the greatest drummer ever, and you take, like, uh, Larry Mullen from U2, right? In each one's situation, they're great, right? They, they're both, like, you see U2, they're great. The drummer, Larry's great in U2. You see a big band, Buddy's great. Take Larry and put him in a big band, and you'll say, the drummer stinks. Mm -hmm. He's not doing anything. Take Buddy Rich, greatest drummer in the world, and put him with you too. You're going to go, let's go home, man. This guy's overplaying. It's driving me nuts. You're doing too much, right? Yeah. 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 So how can you pick a greatest drummer? Right. You, you really can't, you know? But who's your biggest influence besides Ringo? Dino Donnelly. Okay. Who was with the Rascals. Carmine Apiece. Okay. You know, each, each cream, step yeah. each step was, was another... Uh, you know, you know, Ringo was because I, I loved, I wanted to play drums in a band, you know. Uh, Dino was, showed me that uh, a, a drummer could be a, a, as much a focal point as the lead singer. And then Carmine put the power behind what Dino was doing. You know, I mean, Dino played hard, but Carmine really played hard. I mean, the Fudge were like the first metal band. And you've come to know all of those guys, correct? Yeah, all of them. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. What a great journey. It is awesome. <laughs> so then the other question, Dad, do you want to ask him the other question that we? Well, I, I know I have one more question, at least one more. I, no, I have 50 more questions, but one more I, I definitely have to do. But um, I was going to ask you about USSR too, heading off to Russia. I mean, that yeah. can probably be a whole show in itself, but can you give us a, a quick uh, Reader's Digest version of what that was like? Yeah. Well, you know, um, they came uh, to Washington. They, uh, when we got to Washington, uh, they wanted to see the band. The, the Russian embassy guys came down okay. and they wanted to see the band and they graded each song. Um, the only one they had, they had a problem with two songs. They had a problem with Allentown and they had a problem with uh, good night. Saigon. Political. Those two songs. Yeah. And uh, you know, Billy told him that um, uh, uh, good night. Saigon was like uh, their Afghanistan, you know, why are they fighting? People are dying. It's, for no cost, they're not getting anywhere, you know. And then they explained to them what Allentown was about, and, and everything was cool. Now, we announced it in we were playing in New Jersey, and Billy announced we we're going to go to the Soviet Union. We got booed, booed. Really? Yeah. You, you not, he announced it at a show. He announced it at a show. 
we, we uh, just heard that we're going to go to the Soviet Union. Three guys, uh, three uh, artists were up for it. Stevie Wonder, Billy Joel, and Bruce Springsteen. But I think the other two were busy in the studio or, or doing something that they couldn't get away. Billy said, yeah, I want to do it. You know, so going over there, I, I was really nervous. We, we did a couple of shows in England. And then I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to the other side of this wall that's up. And they say they don't let people out. That's why they built the wall. We used to hide under our desk because we thought they were going to destroy us and bomb us. I think I'm going to see these three-headed dragon, fire-breathing dragons when I get off the plane. And my name is Liberty. Why am I going there? <laughs> they won't even let you in with that name, right? No. <laughs> it was sick. But I really played up the whole uh, uh, American thing. Uh, I, I had a T-shirt that had an American flag on it. I had American flags on my drum set. I, I had uh, pins of Mickey Mouse and American flags and everything. To, to the point where Billy came up to me once and he said, you've got to tone down the American thing, you know, thinking that they were going to think I'm the ugly American, like, look at me. <laughs> when we did the 25 years later uh, documentary about it, the uh, interpreter for Billy did his part right after I did. So he was in the audience when I was talking about that, that whole scene with the, with the American flag and everything. And that Billy said, you've got to tone it down because they'll see you as the ugly American. He said to me, he goes, when you got up to play, what those people saw, when your arms were flying and you were just going crazy on that drum set, that flag all of a sudden represented total freedom to them. That's what it's like to have total freedom. And then he said, "If you, we have great musicians in the Soviet Union, but we don't have any good drummers because a drummer has to think outside the box. And nobody's allowed to think outside the box wow. in the Soviet Union. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's what he saw when he saw that flag. It's like, whoa, wow. this is free. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Great story. Yeah. That's cool. So I got that going for me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wow. Well, I, I, I'd be amiss if I, uh, if I didn't say this. Uh, so backstory. Guidance counselor, um, state of Massachusetts for four million years, retired didn't like being retired. So I'm working at a university now doing the same kind of thing, you know, academic support and everything else. But back in the day, and this is going back 30 some odd years, one of my students, eighth grader at the time, a girl, her name, um, and you're going to love this, is Carmina Delano. Delano, Delano right, right yeah. Irish girl. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Carmina. And we used to spend hours in my office talking about music and she was a drummer. Oh. And and continues to stay, you know, the, the, the blessing of uh, social media, we're still connected, you know, after all these years and have all these these kind of things in common. And, and she's she's a, a, a fan of the show. She listens to it all the time. And I, but her life, her life literally is drumming, not to the point where she had aspirations to be in a band or she's been in a million bands and, and all that stuff. Right. But she she loves drummers. She loves technique. She practices daily. Um, she does, um, she'll, she'll go, that person goes into a, a, a guitar center and just hits the drums for an hour. She'll do a showcase, something like this, but she drums. Yeah. Your the second part, the, the, the ending part of your, your book, which talks about your drum clinic, you know, yeah. and all that, um, a lot of good, good ideas, a lot of suggestions and all that stuff. What would you say to someone like a Carmina who like lives, eats, sleeps, drinks like you do. And like you always have drums and, and, and feels and, and lives it. Well, I, I think. And she's going to die when she hears this, by the way. She'll have a heart attack. 
by the way, that 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 she has a chance to kind of listen to something that you say about her. So, what's the line, Carlina? Uh, Carmina. Carmina. Yeah. Carmina, I love you, Carmina. <laughs> can you cook? <laughs> <laughs> I bet she can. I bet she can. I bet she can. Yeah, and she's uh, a huge fan of yours, so she knows everything about you. She she's. She's the one that would be on the side of the stage and watching the drummer while the band is just having these great, and she's got pictures of herself with all these drummers from all these bands. And, you know, that's so-and-so. And I copy his style. Amazing. So she knows all about you as well. And I bet she can cook too. She's telling you. Well, well, for me, for me, you know, like chops is one thing, but playing the, the drummer's job is to get people up off their ass. That's what you need to do. You know, that that's our job, the groove, you know, um, I, I was watching a, a, a video of, of uh, Peter Erskine and they asked him, they says, well, if you sit in with, with somebody that you, you're not used to playing with, a, a great musician, what do you do? He says, I do the simplest thing that I know to start off with, you know, and, and, and that's, that, that's something because simple, everybody relates to simple, mm-hmm. you know, so going into the store and, and beating on the drums and, and doing all this, you know, there, there was this phase and there still is of, of the, uh, the, the church player, you know, the gospel player, that, that, the, the young drummer that, that plays all the licks in between every beat, you know, yep. uh, which is kind of crazy. It'll drive you nuts. But, you know, like listen to those records that you love. And why did the drummer play that? Why did he play so simple, you know? Think about that, you know, and yep. and play with a band. Get your friends together, even if you're just playing in the basement. It's so satisfying. And it's and so she has fun. she has played to your music. You know, I know she actually has posted about that, and um, and she does that on a regular basis. But she, it's funny because I get the impression, and again, I I, I want to ask about this, but it's more about being a drummer than being in a band, which is a really different take for for that you don't get from a lot of people, I imagine. So yeah, well, I I I need to be in a band because. Uh, I, you know, I'll go downstairs. I have my drums at my mother-in-law's house because I live in an apartment. I can't play in here. So they're at my mother-in-law's house in the basement. And I'll go down there and I'll sit behind the drums for about two minutes. And I'll go, this, this sucks. I got to play with other people. Really? Yeah, because that's what I do. I play with people. I like to create. Uh, you know, uh, with, with somebody else is playing, I need to play off of somebody else. You know, it's like you can't play, play football by yourself. Right. You know, you, you can't play baseball by yourself. You got to play with other people. Good know? take. Good take. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if she enjoys sitting in the basement, then uh, you know, you know, pop a lasagna in the oven, and then then forty five <laughs> minutes later, you practice, then you come upstairs. You know? She will love that. Thank you. Thank you. We'll we'll, we'll go over there and uh, we'll eat. You know? All right. All right. Come in. We're coming. We're coming. It's a party. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks for reminding me that I want to do that question. I know you had a couple other things you wanted to wrap up with too. So yeah, no, well, I was, I just was saying, um, you know, the two questions that we always ask each other is what's your favorite part of the song. And then if, if you could choose anyone in the world alive or dead to cover this song, who would you like to hear cover it? To cover that song? Either of them. Oh, tickets to ride. Nobody, nobody can do that. That's right. Untouchable. It's an untouchable. (laughs) I don't. I don't know. Uh, uh, Room of Our Own on the same um, album, which didn't make it on the album. We did a song called Elvis Presley Boulevard. That that was cool. That was kind of that same sound as Room of Our Own. Maybe Elvis could do it. 
There you go. Oh, could be cool. That'd be cool. No one's gonna do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Well, I don't want to keep you too long because you know it is. We've been we've been doing this for some time now, but um, the the last thing that I really wanted to make sure that we mentioned because this kind of stuff is really important to me, and I think it's really super important for society as a whole. Is uh, little kids rock? Is that still going on? Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, Little let's talk about it. that. Just g- give us a quick rundown of that and, and and what that's about because I I that is amazing to me and I think yes. that needs to happen in more locations and around Impressive. the world. And- Impressive. Yeah, Dave Wish is the CEO of Little Kids Rock. He was a school teacher in California, in the worst section of LA, and um, he uh, noticed that kids at the school were just hanging around in the hallway or you know who was getting in trouble and stuff like that. He, he was in middle school. And he told them, he, he plays guitar, and he told him, he said, look, I'll, I'll teach you how to play guitar if you come to, the, to my class after school every day, you know? So um, he started out with 20 students. It got so big that he started this organization called, not-for-profit called Little Kids Rock. It has now had over uh, a half a million kids have gone through the doors of Little Kids Rock. And Jeez. the idea is teach them the songs that they love. Right. You, know, you know, so many people that, yeah, I used to play piano, but, you know, I didn't want to play the classical music. I wanted to play rock and roll or, you know, uh, my teacher was trying to teach me jazz and I just lost interest in it, you know, because I love rock and roll or whatever. Yeah. So they teach the kids songs that they want to know. If they stick with the, with the program for a year, they, if they're playing guitar, they get to keep that guitar. You know, oh, wow. we have a gala. We have a gala every year where uh, it's a fundraiser. They raise tons of money to buy the instruments to give to the kids. And I get to play with some great people uh, like, like Will Lee is, is the musical director, the bass player, Will Lee. And um, I, I played, I played with Steve Miller. Uh, um, I played with Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, Alvis Costello, Darlene Love, you know, so many people because uh, they're all part of, of Little Kids Rock. And wow. uh, we have a gala coming up now. It's, it's going to be a, a virtual auction. And we're auctioning off uh, a one-on-one with me and my daughter. My daughter, Tori, is on a TV show called uh, Chicago Med, and, um, which is very popular if, mm-hmm. if you watch TV. And uh, so they, they get to, we have a thing that they'll auction us off <laughs> with, with some of my books or whatever. You know, so when the virus is over, you know, when uh, the pandemic is done, We'll start up the uh, the um, the gala again, and I'll be playing with these great people again. You know, awesome. like last amazing. last time uh, Usher was there. You know, and stuff wow. like that. Wow, that's like amazing. crazy. And, it, and it's all about getting music back into schools. And schools that the uh, the curriculum has been taken out of. Yep. Yeah, and they teach uh, like the, they'll teach the history teacher maybe a progression. You know. They start the kids off with one song because they feel that if they learn one, one chord, if they learn one chord, they can play 25 songs. Yep. If they learn two chords, they, they t- 50 songs. They learn the full progression of three chords, 150 songs they can play. Right, right. You know? You know? Yep. Interesting. Amazing. Now, now, Steve Van Zandt's doing something similar to that with the teach, was it? Yes, he is. Teach yeah. rock or something like that because it, about trying to get um, music back into schools as well. Yeah, Steve was the musical director for um, Little Kid Rock for a few years. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, wow. yeah. So the, his, did, it's like an offshoot of that or something similar? Or? Uh, it's his own thing. 
Yeah, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Message received. <laughs> <laughs> I like yours. <laughs> I just I just wanted to make sure that we highlighted that and huge. made more people aware of it because, you know, these are the types of programs that are really making an impact in, in the lives of young people around the world. And yeah. if I didn't have music when I was in school, I don't know what right. I mean. I was in school band. I took a music class every year. Uh, I was in marching band in high school and college. You know, I played in basement bands all through high school. And then I played in band Boston. Like if, if I didn't have that, I don't know what I would be like now, you know, who knows, but yeah. uh, it, it's really, really important. And uh, I really am. I'm, I am really proud that you're doing that. And uh, I think you should be too. Lilkinsrock.org. Yeah, we'll make sure it. that we link to it in the show notes. If yeah, you want, absolutely. if anybody yeah. wants to check that out, um, check, check out littlekidsrock.org. Yeah, Last but not cool. least, the book, my friend, the book. Which, which, by the way, was was epic, unbelievably like a tough, tough life. The the rewards and and the the pitfalls and and the growth and the friends and losing people. I mean, crazy, crazy good book. People yeah. have to read this. You Tell know, us a little I, bit about it. I I I'm living the American dream. I never took drum lessons. I played with one of the biggest single artists ever, and I barely met it out of high school. And I wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> and did the audio book too. <laughs> and did the audio book. Wow. Yeah. No. Awesome. It's such a great story. And where, where can we get? I know. Is it Harmony? No. Hudson. Hudson, Hudson Music. Hudson uh, Music. And it's yes. on Amazon as well. It's on Amazon. And the audio book is on Audible, which is Amazon. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay. Lib, anything else that you want to get out there before we sign off? No, I'm done. <laughs> Tired, sorry, going to bed. Sorry to keep you so long. Watch out, the end is going to be knocking on that door saying, "Let's get out of here." So, <laughs> no, we we really seriously appreciate you coming on um, really. and and uh, talking with us for a little while and talking music. I hope you enjoyed it. I know we had a, a blast. Well, I think you guys have a great thing going on here. I mean, nobody talks about like getting inside the song. You know, I don't want to talk about like my drug days, but I remember like you know, have my first couple of things. You know, now that I'm sober, I hate the push it but you know and being able to walk into a song and going oh there's the guitar oh there's the bass oh there's the drums you know it's like whoa you know yeah. and, and i still listen to music like that you know well you get so much out of it you know i i i, I listen to music in a very specific way it's almost visual for me um we talk about it on a couple of the episodes kind of what i see when i'm listening to a song and uh it was really weird to me when i the day that i learned like a few years ago that other people don't listen <laughs> don't to music the same way as me. And even um, your father, we don't, we don't look at songs yeah. the same way when we have these conversations either. It's very, very different. Yeah. They what? have to, they, Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Well, who's the person that has the radio on real low while they're working? It's like, yeah. what, you know, I can't, you can't have radio or any music on while you're working because you won't work anymore. Exactly. You stop and you just sit there. <laughs> like me, and my, me and my four-year-old sometimes my wife gets out of the car for something and we're in the car we have the serious beetle ready station on and it's like hey mom's out in the car Vroom, we'll find <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep. or stay stay longer because there's always another one to hear like okay i'll be in a second <laughs> yeah right yeah. <laughs> yep. awesome well thank you so much for joining us we really do appreciate it it means a lot that you were uh, willing to come spend this time with us and dear listeners Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out pantheonpodcast.com. Uh, we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network, which is a network of music podcasts that is just 
chock full of amazing shows. If you like this one, I guarantee you will find some on there that you like as well. Pantheonpodcast.com. Check out our Teespring store link in the show notes and go to the show notes for all the other stuff that we talked about today. The book, uh, Little Kids Rock, all that great stuff. We will link to that in the show notes. Find us on social media at YNL Podcast or just search the name of the show on Facebook and we're there. Connect with us and make sure you connect with Liberty on, on social media as well. And uh, remember to stay hydrated, listen to good music, and don't be a dick. We will talk to you next time. <laughs> That's great. <laughs>